What's up, marketing interns? Before we get to this podcast, we're going to talk about you guys. You guys deserve the credit that you guys have put forth the work. And now, have we, have we been talking about Marketing Intern Spotlight? We're, con- we're going to continue to promote it. It's been a hell of a ride for the first two. I mean, Austin Doomer and McQuaid Boo have been fantastic, and we're continuing to ask you guys to reach out to us. This is a platform for you guys to come on our show, and you guys have earned it. You guys deserve it. Um, please reach out to us. Absolutely. And what I need to overemphasize right here is just don't be afraid. Conquer the fear of, you know, if maybe you're feeling like, oh, I don't want to go on because, like, I don't like to talk. I don't like to go on because I don't have a message. The whole point is you do have a message, and it doesn't matter if you know how to talk. You're going to be with two guys who talk way too much. So do not worry at all. Do not hesitate. Hit us up, like we always say, DMs, tweets, And maybe even uh, send us a rating because we love you guys and we just want you guys to come on our show. Yeah, just a million different opportunities for you guys to get after it. What you also should get after is a little Skyline Specs. We absolutely love Skyline Specs. They're wooden specs with an engraved city skyline or your company logo. We're talking city skylines such as Denver, Chicago, L.A., Minneapolis. The list goes on. There are all sorts of cities that you can be repping. Your city, you can be repping. Your company, you can be repping. They're very personalized sunglasses, a very poor, affordable price. They're polarized, and they come in all kinds of different styles. So if you're a Ray-Ban guy, then you're a Ray-Ban guy like us. We, we're Ray-Ban guys. It's just simple. Wayfarer is another one. Uh, I think they're coming out with some uh, sweet watches, socks, all kinds of different stuff for you guys. So go on over to Skyline underscore Specs. That's their Instagram. They're doing giveaways all the time. So always just turn on those post notifications, get ready for it. And then also at SkylineSpecs.com, use promo promo code BACKPOCKET, B-A-C-K-P-O-C-K-E-T, for 15% off. The Back Pocket is also presented by MBO. That's MB Outdoors. You know what their slogan is? Tracking mud across your back porch. How cool is that? I mean, just take that in, embrace that for a second. And then while you're embracing it, plan a trip. Go outside. Go do something crazy. Go mountain biking. Go cliff jumping. Go live your life to the fullest. And while you're at it, buy yourself some MB Outdoor gear because it's so comfortable and it will inspire you to just embrace the outdoor life. And you can go ahead and find them at www.mboutdoors.com. And when you find just what you like and put it into your cart, use promo code BACKPOCKET. Skyline Specs promo code BACKPOCKET. MB Outdoors promo code BACKPOCKET. There must be a trend there. You got to utilize it. Got to utilize it, but let's utilize this podcast now. Let's take advantage of the next hour and a half. (sighs) Intro music, go. Today is July 30th, and the boys from the back pocket are here for you guys. Declan Brown, Decky Workaholic, how are we? We're phenomenal. We'll get to the Workaholic story later. We got a phenomenal curbside story today. I will be telling it. I hope it's uh, short, sweet, to the point. A strict line between A and B. Intentional. Intentional. It's going to be great. We also just got some phenom- a phenomenal guest today. And I should be saying phenomenal. I should be saying excellent. I should be saying... Exuberant. Mm-hmm. I should be saying fantastic. Thank you, Andrew. Exemplary. We have an exemplary guest on today. Brennan Bliss, 19 years old, CEO of Pixel Cut Labs. We'll get to that later. 
But, of course, Andrew, what do we got right now, man? Our average quality. You guys know how we do it. We always start this podcast with an average quality because we're trying to grow. We're trying to recognize where we have been faulted and we need to improve. And my average quality this week, and kind of it has been a habitual movement that I just need to embrace more, is yoga. And that's my daily routine. Everyone has their meditation or their journaling, making their bed, as Beaver Fleming said last week. There's those things when you wake up that you need to get in your routine because it just creates productivity right away. And that is, for me, yoga. And I'm very average at it right now. I've been doing it for the past five weeks, and I've been consistently getting about three times a yoga sesh every week. And I want to boost those numbers because those are average numbers. You're saying three times a week you're doing yoga? Yep. And you want to do it every day? I want to do it every day. Okay. And then how long are you doing it now for these three days? Um, Every day I do it, it, depending on how much time I have or give myself, I either do a 10-minute yoga session or I do a 30-minute yoga session in between those times. Gotcha. And it's still pretty good, though, three days. Don't sell yourself short on that. But Mm -hmm. you could be better. I'm looking for improvement. like where your head's at. Uh, My average quality this week... Um, I'm always on my phone when someone's talking to me, and Matt Heron, God bless his soul, one of our roommates, called me out about it last night, and there's two things that go to that. First thing is I'm always like on Instagram or Twitter or something um, or communicating with people, just always trying to push out content and always just trying to interact. However, when you're having a in-person interaction, I probably shouldn't do that, so I need to uh, quit it, dude. And you quit it. It's bad. It's bad disease. Mm-hmm. It, it, recognizing it is it's the first step, but actually putting your phone in your room and sitting down in the living room, um, whether you're just hanging out watching TV or you're working or something, it's difficult. I mean, Matt Heron, who's called you out on it, is trying to do it himself. He, he told me the other day that he's trying to put his phone in. Right when he gets home from work, he puts his phone in his room, and then he comes downstairs and he does the rest of his um, post-work routine of yeah. um, just sitting around and doing me time. Yeah, and I kind of like that too because we're all home at the same time. We might as well like at least spend some sort of time together, like uh, playing some PGA. Mm-hmm. I think we really need to start hitting some PGA fourteen hard. Uh, I'm going to create my own player this time, and you know we're all going to just play around together at golf. Why and not embrace the camaraderie of the house? I love it. So again, average quality, always being on my phone, someone's talking to me. I know someone else out there has that problem, and maybe even has that solution. So if you guys have any tips or tricks. Let me know. Also, for any of the yoga people out there, don't ever hesitate. Don't ever hesitate. But, you know, we're trying to truly embrace camaraderie, and Declan and I have a true, a true bond on this podcast. But you know what? We never really take time to ask how each other how we're doing. I mean, we do do it before meeting Monday, but that's just once a week. So I'd like to ask you on this podcast, how are you doing today? Dude, thanks for asking, man. I'm doing, uh, doing great. It was a crazy day. I'll say it right now. It was a nuts day. So I woke up at like 4 a.m., because I had to get to, uh, I worked for PCL Construction, and we were pouring a concrete deck, and I had to, you know, actually, this is turning into our curbside story, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is our curbside story for people that don't remember. It's just a decky workaholic. It's just a story. Mm-hmm. Decky workaholic. There you go. Um, yeah, so I work up at four, get to work by five, pouring concrete, go throughout my whole day, and Matt Christensen, one of our roommates, this is a big roommate podcast. Matt Christian sends us this, like, screenshot of, like, someone who had emailed us or something and had said, hey... Uh, well, he's a part of this Facebook group. Oh! Uh, the Neighborhood Facebook group. Oh! And they of course he's a part of a Facebook group mm-hmm. in our neighborhood. Well, you got to be a part of it. Someone has to be in the house. Yeah, so someone does. thankful that he is a part of it because he saw a post that said uh, a car was broken into on our block. And it said, like, the time frame and all the noise and everything happened. And you were putting, like, the... 
the, the clues together and the dots and what did you come up with? Because in the message that he got was like at 5 a.m. there was a reported robbery. I called the cops at like 5.15. And I was getting out. I was leaving the house at 4.15 a.m. And I pulled like I was on our side of the street on Colfax, like 2200s. Col- two, I can't say our address, but off Colfax. <laughs> and we'll I cut that. I drove away. We'll we'll cut out our address. But then we he- then I see that someone robbed a car after I had left. I literally showed up, or I left and woke up before a robbery happened. Someone that woke up at early, just as early as me or later, to rob a car. Mm-hmm. That's kind of nuts to think about. You know, usually you think that no one would be awake during that time because the robber was going to probably pick a time where no one's awake. Yet you leave earlier than the guy, and we think, through putting the dots together, that uh, or connecting the dots, rather, that he pulled into the spot that you pulled out of because mm-hmm. the car was in that region and, uh, and broke in. And I don't know if he ended up taking the car or not. I think he did. But moral of the story is Deck is working his buns off. Well, let's uh, let's expand for a second, real quick. Okay, I want to know if you were going to rob a car, which we're not, that's not a great way to make money is robbing cars. But if you were to rob a car, what time would you rob a car? At? Um, definitely in between the three a.m. to four a.m. window, because that okay. feels like people have been asleep in their they're in their REM sleep. They're, they're in their deep definitely sleep. in their deep sleep at three a.m. Yeah, that sleep when you know it, paralysis kicks in. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's a great point. And I was thinking like, man, well, what about those late night people that stay up till like two? Because I was almost going to jump on and be like, oh, I'll just do it at two, stay up late that night. But I feel like a lot of people are up at two. Some people are. Yeah. Some people are up at three. So really, yeah. it's a difficult, mm-hmm. it's a difficult industry. For some, some reason, this guy, get a part of. this guy was sleeping at five o'clock, really? Yeah. Breaking the car at five o'clock. Hmm. I don't know. I, I just don't think, like, what a risky job. You have to break the window. You have to get in the car. It's siren. Its horns are obviously going off. Then you got to hotwire it, and you drive away. I assume that's how it works, right? Yeah, I don't know. But if I were to do it, that would probably be a, yeah. a proper way to go about it. I'd set maybe. my alarm for like three thirty. Yeah. yeah, this is all allegedly, guys. We're not planning any type of robbery here. So don't no. put it. Don't bring this to court and show us like, hey, these guys are a couple of gangbangers out here trying to steal cars. <laughs> a couple of gangbanging podcasters promoting that they're all positive, but look at this. And then we're on film trying to steal a car. That would never happen. No. So get it out of your I minds. say we trap the puck early yeah. because we don't want to get ourselves in a hole that we shouldn't be able to get out of. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, what we do is we're workaholics. So we're, we're just getting after it all day. And mm-hmm. I think that was one thing that I had to take from my curbside story was I was like, dang, I, when, we were, when, I was, when we were going through it all, it was like 9 o'clock that night. I was awake for 18 hours and I was doing like so much that whole day. We got home. Uh, after I got home after work at like five, we had two podcast interviews back to back hour with Brennan bliss and then an hour with, uh, Duncan doll, our basically our spotlight this week on Thursday. Yeah. So I just re- re- realized like, man, I chose to spend three extra hours of my day grinding and doing a podcast and learning as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And that's an absolute movement that we need to promote on this podcast right now. Mm-hmm. Brennan Bliss kind of ignited it in us, and we kind of had an opportunity to reflect, and are we truly taking advantage of these opportunities? The willingness to learn is something that everyone needs to take advantage of, because uh, learning is an all-the-time thing, mm-hmm. and um, there are many different varieties of way of going about it. For sure. I totally agree. If you look at um, some of our past guests, um, well, first off, Brennan Bliss, I mean, a little bit of an intro to him, he's 
made six figures with his company and at the age of 19 and he's 19 years old I, the amount of times we say you're 19 and then like go into the question or like we mentioned that he's 19 it's like okay that's great like i think our i think our marketing interns get it at this point like he's 19 years old um but anyways it's it's a great accomplishment i think his willingness to learn when he started at, f- at 14 to five years from now 19 and now it's like part of his life part of just learning about that specific Mm-hmm. brand that company that realm that it's in it's phenomenal and a lot of our guests have a kind of like a mantra of learning i mean that's one of the cool things about sitting on this podcast and hearing these stories of how someone has failed and grown through that failure um, they tell us their average qualities and then they show us how they're not average and i mean a, a good example would be johnny Stafko, um a fitness guru in australia and he was a person who kind of inspired us to kind of reflect on how we handle our partnership and how he learns on a day-to-day basis in the moment of just trying to handle it through conversations, listening to various podcasts, just being intellectually curious. Yeah, and I totally echo that, and I think we really took that. We learned that from Johnny, and then we applied it to our life. Mm-hmm. Then you look at another guy, Rick Martinez. What was one thing that he said that was super, you know, that I took away, that we took away, was success leaves clues. So it's like, okay... We take that, then we look back into Rick, right? And we see, okay, why is he successful? Well, he told us. He gave us his story. He gave us his background and how everything. Then you go and apply that to all the other guests that we have, or for that matter, anyone you meet. Mm -hmm. Why why is Brennan Bliss so successful at 19? Mm -hmm. Well, he's freaking committed, that's for sure. And, you know, he's got a lot of other stuff going on. But that's, you know, that's something that we started to look into. And then, yeah, you look it into your your own day-to-day routine. And we just talked about how you had an 18-hour day. That's successful. So you go back and you reflect on that 18-hour day. How was I able to achieve this in a way that made it successful? And then you find those attributes, you find that methodology, and you continue to put that in your next day. Um, Another guest that we thought had some really cool insight on how she goes about learning, and Giselle Ugarte. I mean, putting herself in uncomfortable situations and feeling comfortable is a unique quality to, to uphold and to promote because not a lot of people... Um, put themselves in a situation where they're nervous because nerves are scary. And um, again, fear plays a factor into that. But she is like, okay, if I am going to be uncomfortable, that's okay. I got to be able to find my comfortability in this situation. And then she has a more um, self-awareness going through that situation. It's really cool. And I really appreciate all these different guests and how they've described their willingness to learn. Yeah, but I think, you know, maybe some people are thinking like, oh, well, we didn't have those guests on our podcast or I don't have these types of interactions on a day-to-day basis, which is fine. Like that's not a big deal because where you actually learn, where your willingness to learn shows up, shows up is in conversation and just being intellectually curious. And when you peel back the onion of the back pocket or when you start to pull out of the thing, pull all the things out of your back pocket, you realize those are really the two things that what it boils down to is having a conversation or talking story as we like to say, and just always being intellectually curious. Mm-hmm. Being open to their perspective. It's it's difficult at times to just hear someone out, to sit back and not think about your own thoughts while someone's speaking. Um, I'm not by any means perfectionist at this. This is something that I could attribute to my average quality. I, yeah, I literally just said I was on my phone when someone was talking to me. Like That's the opposite of listening. That's mm-hmm. doing something, that's ignoring. Yep. It's not good. And just being aware of it and trying to take advantage of these situations you can grow. And that's kind of what we want to hit home with this little segment that we have. And Brennan Bliss did a great job of how he does it. Um, I mean, he's going to college at 19 years old as a millionaire. 
at, at 19, though. At 19 years old. What did I say? You said 19. Yeah. I'm just overemphasizing oh, yeah, that we always say at 19 years old. Continuing to harp the point that he's 19. Uh, we're 22, and we... He's, he's not 18. No. He's 19. He's 19. Oh, man. And he's definitely not 20 or 21, but no. he is 19. He's 19. He's going to college, so... And he's, going to him. <laughs> and he's going to college. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a freshman. He's 19. But it's a phenomenal podcast. You guys will love it. Today's guest is Brendan Bliss. At 14, at 14 years old, he made his six, first $600 on a website. And then at 17 years old, he made six figures for the first time. Now at 19 years old, he's here on the Back Pocket Podcast. So, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first question that we always ask all of our guests, what is your average quality? We like to frame it in a, in a sense that Andrew and I, you know, we're good at some things. We're also really bad at some things. At the end of the day, it makes us average. Brandon, what is your average quality? Oh, goodness. Human communication. <laughs> anytime well, somebody, like anytime, yeah, this is practice for me. Anytime someone tries to like speak to me, I just like make a weird noise and shy away. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I'm, I think that, uh, growing up, it's it's always been, uh, you know, I've never got, been able to like communicate with people my age, um, and I don't know what to attribute that to, but um, that's that's got to be my average, if not definitely far below average quality. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to hearing how you grew from that because I mean you're already at 19 years old, extremely successful, and if your average quality is human interaction, and that sure hasn't hindered. The, uh, the step to getting there. So as I introduced you a little bit, I said you had a $600 a year at, at 15 years old, and then you made a million dollars at 17 years old. I know our marketing interns are dying to learn how this came about. So can you give us a timeline on this whole process? Yeah. So the way it worked was I started with, um, let's see, when I was 14. And, you know, I've always been like a, I've never settled for just being... <laughs> Just, just sitting there and letting things happen, which is a lot of what childhood is for a lot of people. Um, I was by eight years old, a national champion in gymnastics. I stopped doing that at nine. And by 13 years old, I had a movie at South by Southwest that won awards for best, some, some awards related to um, best short film. Um, and then I started making apps. Um, well, I started tracking and dropping apps in a really makeshift cowboy coding style way. Uh, nothing I would ever show anybody. <laughs> um, but I did uh, the app development, a couple of apps, and then my mom was like, we need a website for my company. Uh, can I like pay you? What was it? It must have been like 50, 60, something like that. <laughs> Just a couple dollars to do this. Um, she'll probably say it was more. We have a disagreement on that. Um, just because... I like to complain about things, but, um, she gave me that opportunity and I spent a whole summer building a website for her and her small medical practice. And, um, then she told her friends and her friends asked me if I could do their websites. And I said, yes, let's put another zero on the end of it and do it. Which by the way, is only like a hundred bucks because I was starting pretty low. Um, but that trend continued when I had, um, another opportunity, added some more to it. And then I got a $10,000 opportunity with a close family friend and realized, okay, I can hire someone to do this for 5,000. Uh, so I went onto this website called Upwork and paid someone overseas to help me with the website. Um, 
later my account got banned because I was too young to use Upwork. <laughs> um, but that's a different story. But I did that. And while that website was being built, I learned how to do something called search engine optimization. Because uh, I was like, there are all these other agencies and they're doing paid advertising. How do I get to the top? Because I don't have money. So search engine optimization is the only answer. You get to the top of Google by doing organic content, by pushing out content. And I had a lot of time on my hands as a 15, 16-year-old um, in the summer. So I got ranked for number one when you search web design company in Dallas, um, which is a big deal. I know that more now than I did at the time. Cause now like I can do anything in the world and I can't rank for that keyword. It's like, <laughs> it was so easy that summer, but now I, I can't. Um, but once that happened, people were reaching out as if it were a real established business. I say that as if it weren't because it definitely wasn't. <laughs> I was, <laughs> um, it was a grind to get my dad to open up the LLC, but I was able to get clients and it just a lot of trial and error, a lot of, mistakes and overcorrection that continues today and it hurts all the time but the benefit is it far outweighs all the drawbacks so um that's kind of how the natural progression happened now we're i've got a full-time one full-time team member i've got two part-time team members i've got about 15 to 30 contractors working for us at any given time um and we're a pretty lean company and we're growing pretty fast so it's been it's been a fun ride and it's just the beginning. So you're currently at Pixel Cut Labs, at your CEO of Pixel Cut Labs. And is that what your dad helped you LLC to start? Or is that something completely different? It was Pixel Cut Labs. Okay. It's the horrible, meaningless name. <laughs> um, yeah. So the way that ended up working was I pushed my dad for like years. I was like, I want a business. I want a business name that's legal or actually much higher version of that voice um, at the time because you know, <laughs> 13, 14. Um, and yeah, Pixel Cut Labs LLC was established in 2014. Um, I think I still owe my dad $300 for that. I think he still wants me to pay him back for that. <laughs> that's awesome. So what's like the general scope of the company? So I know you mentioned like, um, I can't, we kind of understand what pixels are, but, um, in terms of like marketing and everything and the nitty gritty of what pixel cut labs, what would you say that represents? We don't do anything with pixels. <laughs> um, that was a, um, it haunts me every day, but that was like the only name I could think of at again, 14 years old. And it's stuck. We have brand recognition, so I've kept it. But we do um, search engine optimization primarily, which is, as I mentioned, doing a lot of things to try to trick Google's algorithm into giving you preferential placement when people are searching for a service. It's the first place most people go when they're looking for something. And getting to the top for a keyword like Dallas SEO, which is a very hard target keyword because you're competing against another couple hundred agencies doing the same exact thing as you. Um, we're, I think, ranked number four for that right now. But getting ranked for that keyword means 800 searches a month. If you're ranked number one for it, you're getting about 400 high-intent visitors ready to buy something that costs $10,000, $20,000 a month. So um, search engine optimization, very valuable. And then web design is where you'll land. So we build the websites too. Those are the two things we do. And then social media is kind of a dancing service on the side. doesn't really have it. <laughs> I feel like I'm. I need to sell social medias because I can say, "Who better to hire than a child to do social media?" Um, mm -hmm. But 
I really enjoy mostly the search engine optimization. I feel like I've um, learned so much about that and um, gotten to the point where I can confidently say that you buy this from us, we'll make you way more money than you're paying us. Okay. So for example, you search the back pocket and obviously you want our podcast to come up first because we're the most relevant thing with with the word back pocket in it. How would you take our average podcast and our average SEO that goes along with it and then grow us to be number one on that search? Awesome. So there's a couple things you'll do. Number one, you want a great place to land. So you'll go to your website and you'll publish really high quality content because Google's going to look at that content and say, if this is providing value to people who are not already knowledgeable of this brand, say you write a post on how to how to produce an awesome podcast. Um, if that provides value to people, which it will, if you write it and really spend a lot of time, I mean, I'm talking, you spend 20 hours writing that post, not two. Um, that post is a great asset that we can start pointing traffic to. So we'll submit that URL to Google and we'll start generating something called backlinks. And what backlinks do is essentially passes the authority of other domain names onto your website by kind of endorsing your website. Um, when you see a link coming from, when you're reading a blog post and you see a blue highlighted section that really doesn't make necessarily hundred percent sense why it's there, probably someone paid for it to get a place there. Uh, but backlink generation is the second step of the process. After you have content, you'll be just building that authority. And then number three, you can use social media to kind of boost that up and do organic outreach to bloggers, try to get them to point back to you. So it's really a two phase process. One, create to generate authority. Very cool. So how would you recommend reaching out to the organic way? Like that is probably one of the methods that people don't utilize as well because you're on social media, you're, you either can DM them, you can comment on pictures that are relevant to what your message is trying to put across. Is there a, a more efficient way? Is there a more authentic way to go about it? Well, there's definitely ways to not go about it. Uh, let's start with dear sir slash madam. Um, Google is sending an email that um, looks like it's coming from someone who's using English as their third or fourth language. Um, that's kind of, it's, uh, so if it's been processed by Google Translate, essentially is what I mean to say by that. Um, so personalize things. I would never, re- because we have a website with high domain authority, um, Pixel Cut Labs. It, it has quality link juice, which is, you know, the industry term for domain authority. And, um, we get outreach all the time asking for links. Uh, and some of them look like they're literally just a list of a thousand people or 10,000 people that they import and click send. One time um, there was a scenario where they clicked CC instead of BCC. And there was this absurdly hilarious chat of a bunch of different SEO agency owners just talking about how hilarious that outreach was. Because what it was, is it was a, someone using a list of SEO agency owners and trying to get them all individually to publish a backlink on their website. So it was just this like 400 person list email string. And then we created a LinkedIn group. It was, it was a blast. It's still like going on. That was a year ago. Um, there are a lot of mistakes you can make, but when you really want to try to get links, I know I listened to, um, Jason, Fe- Jason Pfeiffer. Uh, I think that's his name. Yeah. He's the editor, editor in chief of, um, entrepreneur. Um, I spoke with him and went to one of his talks one time and he said, when you're trying to approach someone to get them to, um, publish about you or link back to you, especially when it's an editor for a magazine, uh, something print, any press, even online, what you'll be looking at doing is trying to catch them when they're looking for that information. Um, you don't want to pub- you don't want to like 
someone's producing, gener- creating a video game, you don't want to reach out to someone who just published a video game article and say, I saw you just published a video game article. Will you write about my video game? <laughs> no, they're done with that topic. Um, you want it, to, it's, there's no set way to do it. You just have to really build relationships. Um, because if you're able to catch someone's eye um, by maybe following them on Twitter and interacting with their personal posts, and then you send an email to their business inbox two months later, you'll have that name recognition and that'll at least get them to look at the email. So it's really kind of building those relationships and not, not making it impersonal. Gotcha. So almost asking or uh, giving something to them without expecting anything in return, but just kind of that long-term understanding of like, okay, I just need to start this relationship and know maybe two, three months down the road that, this could be a possibility. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have an agency, a marketing agency coach who's helping me grow my agency. Um, It's a great thing. I'd recommend getting a coach whenever you come across the opportunity. But one of the things he's taught me is that you see that someone sees your name one or two times. They have no idea who you are. They see it three or four or five times. They would recognize and click on something. They see it seven to nine times. They'll buy it from you if they're in the idea to if they're in the mindset to buy something from you. And if it's more than 10 times that they recognize your name and it's not spam, then they'll start recommending people to you, even if they've never used you before, just because you've sent them 10 emails over the course of a year and they recognize your name. So there's a lot of power in name recognition, especially if you can twist it into a way that the person doesn't realize how they found out about you. Wow. Gotcha. That's impressive. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to touch on how you're a CEO right now. So we are 22 years old. You're 19. You got three years to come to get where we are, and we still don't even really know what it feels like to. We are the C- co-founders, co-CEOs. Of what we are doing right now. How is it in your position, being 19 years old and running a company? Um, are there power differences that you have to handle? Um, what are the, kind of the day-to-day routines that you kind of display your CEO qualities? Um, there are a lot of <laughs> a lot of things that I don't recommend. Um, I'm still learning. I really am. I uh, have business wise, I'm good at communicating. Um, not as much on a personal level, but when it comes to business, I am. Uh, and I sometimes factor in the personal side of things far too much when I'm working with t- my team members. Um, but the main thing um, in leading at this age is that there's a no reason and no justification for blocking out other people's ideas. Uh, my parents tried to give me advice. They both um, have my, well, my dad, he's been doing his own thing his entire life. And my mom is, she started a, a speech pathology clinic 20, 20 years ago, probably before I was born. Um, and she's been doing that her whole life. She has experience with um, employees and I was not listening to her at all. Cause I was all my way is the right way even though I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but it bit me really hard. A couple things happened and I didn't know what to do. Um, I got myself in some binds and the things she recommended, um, would have avoided those. And thank you, mom. I love you. (laughs) Well, I mean, we all kind of go through this as sons and we understand that, our mom is always right. So that's kind of tough. That's a tough pill to swallow, but Hey, at least you're 19 and already knowing that. So uh, these, those kind of experiences that you had will obviously build you for the future. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my other questions that I wanted to touch on just 
real quick is you're 19, so you're going into your freshman year of college. You are going to college. We do our research. Where oh, are you going to college? <laughs> I'm going to uh, UT Austin. I'll be studying business down there. Oh, okay. nice. So you'll be starting this upcoming fall. Yes. And um, would you like some advice? We just we just graduated. Please, college, please. But would you like some please, advice? I want to hear your advice. I do because honestly, I have no idea what to expect, and I'm. <laughs> please. Jonathan <laughs> starts off. Okay. Uh, first thing you need to know that Vince Young uh, is a Heisman Trophy winner. Reggie Bush got his Heisman Trophy revoked, which then made Vince Young the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, definitely flaunt that take around UT Austin. People love it. Um, my second thing would be just make it through your first semester. It's the hardest one. It sucks at times. It's great at times. You learn a million new things. So many things get thrown in your face, but just get through it. Uh, my, well, I would say you need to just get home, and this is kind of where I learned from my older brother who didn't follow this advice, was go to class. It's not that hard, just whether you're not in the mood or you're really energetic. It doesn't matter where you fall on that scale. Go to class and just sit through it because you never know what's going to happen. You might learn something. I guarantee you'll learn something. You might retain it. That's the real goal. Oh, yeah. See, why don't my brothers do these things? I have two older brothers. Neither of them have told me any of this stuff. <laughs> well, what did they tell you so we don't double double down on advice? Good luck. <laughs> Okay. Um, wait, how many How many people go, like, how, what's the class size? Well, so my high school graduating class was 30. And UT, uh, I think each, I mean, there's 50,000 people on that campus. So okay. it'll be a okay. little bit of a culture shock. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we went to much, St. Thomas's, like, cl- average class size is like maybe 30 um, or less. So for big schools, we don't have the best advice, but I would say, um start a relationship with your professor if you can. Um, sometimes that's not realistic, especially in your first couple of years or your first couple of semesters. But having a relationship to begin with, with the professor goes so far with grades, with understanding what the hell is going on in your class um, and all that kind of stuff. Like just have a relationship with your professor if you can possibly do it. For sure. Uh, one recommendation on a class to take is we both took it. I took it first. He took it after me. Was literary villains and bad guys? Okay. Oh, I gotta write this down. <laughs> literary villains and bad guys is a course where we read I think eight books in the one semester period, and you wrote a book about. You got to pick two books. Uh, you saw four books, and you had to write a paper on them. And uh, they were books like Gone Girl. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Um, no Country for Old Men. Um, books, though, that were just so mind-boggling, twist-oriented that you really just you grew from these fiction that you didn't realize that you enjoyed reading and that when you were 10. You love fiction. And now you're 22 years old, only reading textbooks written by professors who graduated 60 years ago. It's like, no, there's actually a lot you can gain from from just reading a simple novel um, that is not so simple, actually. Yeah, novels are pretty, they, they are life-altering. Um, there have been two that particularly have influenced me. Actually, one, really, My Antonia. Um, it's, a, it's a classic, and um, there are so many themes in there, and I think it was, uh, without a doubt, it was without a doubt the teacher that was um, leading that class. But um, 
the implications of something like that in life. Uh, it, it, you don't realize how much it influences you um, unless you really think about it because there are, I mean, just themes, um, appreciation of nature, um, human interaction uh, that you don't think about, but you take them with you. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, my final piece of advice, Andrew might have something, but my final piece would be uh, humility. So when someone looks at your Twitter profile and they see CEO of this company, he's making millions of dollars. Most kids are going to be like, why is he even in school? This kid like can pretty much do whatever he wants. I would approach everything that you do just as if you're some, as if you're one of us, just like a random Joe Schmo, like no one, you know what I'm saying? Like just approach everything. And you've probably done this in your life already, but just approach everything with a million percent humility. And if someone finds out that you're a CEO of Pixel Cut Labs, then that's what happens. If they don't, you know what? They have value for who you are, put that way. Yeah. No, it's uh, that's always like a, it, it's become my identity. Um, but sometimes I'm able to weed that out. And on a third date or something like that, someone will be like, so I looked your name up <laughs> and I was like, oh, darn it. Now they're going to expect me to pay for stuff <laughs> for dinner. Um, no, which I don't do. I will take free dinner anytime, especially with Chipotle. I, uh, my best friend and I went to Chipotle last night um, and we went indoor surfing and it was like, I had to pay $20 for him because he left his wallet at home. And um, yeah, he owes me Chipotle on several occasions. So I redeemed one of those last night. Uh, but I guess <laughs> that distraction comes back to um, what I was saying about that's a really difficult thing for me um, because this is all I've done for the past four or five years. It's been me. It's been my identity. And without it, um, and, you know, I'm, if I were to talk about some of the failures, some of the losses that I've had, um, the idea of losing what I have here as part of my identity, not as part of my identity, but losing it tangibly would be um, – would plunge me into depression Um, because I've gotten close to that before I've gotten close to losing it um, several times. So it's, it's definitely um, disconnecting from that, even though it's still there. The idea in my mind is that I have to, in my heart realize that I still have something that is um, that I've built from the ground up, but not make that be the centerpiece of any conversation. So that's probably the best advice anybody could give. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I think it. you already have that self-awareness. I mean, no one, there's not many people out there that are able to relate to what you've been through. I mean, there are people that have done it, but it's uh, far and few in between. I mean, 19 years old and going to college still, even after making this money, I applaud you for that because that in itself is awesome. Um, because a lot of people would just be like, well, I've already gotten to a point where I don't feel like university is necessary. However, it's not really going to be what you learn. It will be at times what you learn in the classes, but a lot of it will be friends that you build, um, just hanging out with things in, a, in an atmosphere that um, is never really rebuilt again. University lifestyle is never rebuilt again, In whether you're living in a house or an apartment or in the dorm living, all of that type of stuff in college is really unique. And I, I know Declan and I, we had a hell of a time. We started a podcast to kind of share our experiences in college. And then it turned into this, asking people that we didn't really have a platform to talk to until the podcast. And um, hearing your story already, 19 years old and being willing to come and making this type of money, coming onto our show, thank you. 
Um, so I've, it's only been 30 no, minutes. I, mean, I already you, feel inspired by it, so thank you. You asked, um, and for a lot of reasons, I, I said, um, how could I like, how could I not do something like this? Um, because I sit in this shell. Uh, if you were to see the, my office that I'm sitting in right now, you realize it's kind of like a dungeon. Um, it's, if you turn the lights off, it looks like a cave because it's exposed brick wall. Um, but I live in a small bubble because I'm either at my office or sleeping. Um, right now I'm going on a date after this. So there's that. I haven't done that in forever. Um, first date, that should be fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and no, but the, the idea of being able to interact with other people and talk to other people, um, that's always something that I have to grab. And I really do appreciate you asking me. Mm -hmm. Well, I got one advice for the first date. So I just went on, or not just went on, but I went on a first date, a first blind date about two years ago, maybe three years ago. And I wasn't able to know who that her name was, so I couldn't look her up on social media. So I sat in the restaurant and I waited for her. I told her I was going to be at this place at this time and um, I'll be sitting um, in relatively this area. You'll know who I am when you walk in. Well, it didn't really go. She came in and we had dinner and I knew who she was. And I, got to know her a lot. It didn't really go as planned. She wasn't uh, someone I went up, wanted to go on a date after that. But going on that first date, learning about someone without having any prior um, interaction with her on social media was one of the coolest things I've ever done. So if you haven't yet, don't look her up and j just take the first impressions of the conversation without all of the Instagram, Twitter, and all the Facebook type of um, preconceived notions that they imply. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, I never grant myself enough time to go online. I don't use social media as much as I should to like try to communicate with people. I, I am. Maybe it's a different thing. Maybe it's a different complex that makes that happen. But uh, no, I, I'm going into this without a lot of them. I know um, EMT, which is kind of cool. Um, uh, Careflight EMT. That's okay. cool. <laughs> What, what the hell is that? EMT meaning like the um, emergency, emergency um, yeah. oh. medical technician. So like a pilot or, or like a, a plane? What, no, what it's a paramedic. Paramedic. Okay. okay. Yeah. Now I get it. Yeah. Okay. On to my next question here. Um, leadership. So how do you have people in your company that are older than you? Everybody. Everybody's older than you. Okay. Yeah. No, how do you go about everybody. leading? Okay. How do you go about leading people that are older than you? So there's no really problem. There's not a problem with people taking me seriously because it's like a long running joke <laughs> that um, I have experienced less, less uh, years on this earth than they have, but um, it really doesn't, come into the, I mean, despite what you might think, because I get this question, I get this question um, relatively often. Um, it's not a dynamic, really. It's not part of anything. It's a matter of you're taking care of someone and you're attending to their needs and dreams. And that's really what I think about a team member as, is my goal is to make sure that I'm contributing to their future. Um, and I think when there's that understanding, nothing else matters. I mean, the paycheck should probably come 
when you tell them it's going to come. <laughs> um, payroll also is the scariest thing in the world, and I hate it. Um, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> uh, kind of like a side question off that one. How do you leverage your youth as, as a leader and a CEO? And a CEO? Um, is that like you feel like you have more blah because of being younger, a newer perspective, any, any sort, sort, type of uh, atmosphere with that type? So there are a couple things. One, I don't come in with any preconceived ideas. I don't know how to make an Excel spreadsheet with um, complex formulas. I know how to make it by clicking equals this cell, which does effectively the same exact thing with 10 times less effort. And that's how I do everything. I'm not coming into this with the right conventional air quotes way to do this. Um, but it's uh, <laughs> into the way, it takes a lot of burden off of you. The... Uh, not I'm going to school. I'm going to be going to school for four years. So I'll be able to see what, when I'm learning business management, what I'm either doing differently or some things I expect, many things I expect that I have been doing wrong in the sense that even the conventional way is 10 times better than what I'm doing. Cause I'm kind of, I mean, again, I use the term cowboy coding cause that describes what I do. Everything I do is <laughs> trying to put out fires it's been it's been less of that recently. We put systems into place, but um, I don't have that conventional knowledge coming into this. And then also, it's a talking point, and it helps me build. I mean, if I were this age and it didn't matter, it would mean that I don't have a pre-existing network from school. It would mean I don't have a pre-existing network from previous jobs, um, and that would make it really hard to sell. And that are, that does make it really hard to sell because I don't know people. I don't know. I don't have a big contacts list. But when uh, you bring in the idea that it is a talking point that I am 19, uh, that does make it a little easier to attract people that might be really interested in hiring someone to consult for them that is in that generation. Uh, so it kind of balances out. It cancels each other out. Um, so I use that age thing to my advantage in the sense that it makes up for my lack of a network. Yeah, and what's great about your situation now is you're going to college, which is the best way to expand your network and probably the fastest and most efficient way. So, again, back to the advice, relentlessly expand your network because it'll yeah. it'll come. It's easy. I'll bring my Rolodex. <laughs> there you go. And, and plenty of business cards. Plenty of business cards. We, yeah, uh, I, went, I went four months without business cards because I was like, it doesn't matter. And then I realized... Then I got them, and then and I made my sales went up like eight times. <laughs> They're very effective. I don't know if, they, if it's like just an odd correlation or if there was actually a connection, but I think uh, they're pretty important. So I'll definitely be handing them out in lectures. There you go. <laughs> yeah. We actually never we didn't even get analytics until like a year in. Yeah, yeah originally it was a hobby, and then we were like, "Well, we're graduating. Are we going to turn this into something?" And then we were like. Let's send it. Let's get analytics and let's turn this into what we want it to be. Yeah, let's see what happens. Um, but one of our favorite things to do with business cards is leave them in funny places and then people will see them hopefully. <laughs> them. When we're out uh, on a Friday night, we'll leave them in the bathroom and hopefully like right above where you, you, know, you wash your hands or something like that. <laughs> oh, that and, makes me, that would make me wildly uncomfortable. I was like, someone's trying to sell to me while I'm peeing. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> and marketing's and all the time. Someone, I hope that turns into a soundbite of sorts. I just realized that all of this is being recorded. I totally forgot for a little while. Um, but cool. This is how I talk when I'm <laughs> just okay. like spiraling out of control. <laughs> no, very casual. That's where we are. It's a conversation on interview. And what I just mentioned was marketing is an all the time thing. Marketing to the new generation. I would love some advice on that because you are full blown in this, in this industry. 
um, what any tips to our marketing interns right now on how to market to this new generation? So we'll go through the things that everybody knows already and can obviously gather from this conversation based on the way I've conducted myself. People in my generation have very short attention spans. <laughs> um, very short, but that's kind of, there's not any actionable work that you can do to appeal to that other than what most people already know. I mean, shorter videos, more immersive content. Um, but when we look at, um, I guess the interesting thing about this generation is that we're using them as a market and that didn't happen in the past. Um, people under 18 have never really been a market. Their parents have been, but they haven't. Um, 25, I'm talking 15 to 25 as the target audience, Gen Z I'm looking at right now. It's technically like five to 25, but it's kind of hard to sell to five-year-olds. Um, oh, not impossible, but difficult. Um, <laughs> so when you look at that, you realize, okay, it's a moving target because we have a group of people that are developing rapidly compared to baby boomers, compared to Gen Y, compared to millennials in the sense that they're not stagnant in an age these years are the most highly developmental years of a human life or so people have told me. I don't believe them. I feel like I know everything already. Uh, that was for the people who can't see my face. That was sarcasm. Um, <laughs> for the people who uh, can see my face, it might not have been obvious because I have a resting. Well, yeah, but <laughs> just like a face you can't tell is being sarcastic. Um, but cause it's usually like that. I'm usually being sarcastic, but Back to, let's see, we were talking about Gen Z. See, I got distracted. You need to work, keep in mind the attention span thing. Um, when you look at someone who's turning 15 and use that as a benchmark and then you try to market to them when they're 17, you're going to fail miserably every single time. Um, interests have changed. Life uh, outlook has changed. Um, impressionability has changed. Uh, the only thing that's consistent among all of that group is that these are people who want to make decisions on their own and we need to make them feel like they're making decisions on their own without quote unquote manipulating. Um, that's not what I'm suggesting here. I'm suggesting, um, the opportunity to give multiple decisions that all have the same end result for the business owner as in, surveys that get prizes for, I mean, this is just me making things up off the top of my head um, based on specific answers, but making all of the answers get the prize that people need. Um, it's a feeling of self-direction because we're being told that we're influenced by people all the time. We're being influenced by social media, we're being influenced by mainstream media. Um, that's kind of like the general consensus. So everybody's trying to push themselves away from that. And then lastly, the disconnect from parents. Um, you want to be able to make decisions that are going to disconnect you temporarily from your environment when you were raised. Every single teenager, you, most teenagers will have that experience. Well, they will take a drastic uh, disconnect from their family for a short, very short period of time. And in that period of time, they're either going to do things that are not productive or that do better for them. Um, so not manipulating is a very important element because if you manipulate someone in that period when they're hypersensitive and they notice that when they're not in that, when they look back and say, wow, look how susceptible, and this is more of a subconscious thing, but look how susceptible I was to this campaign for this reason. I hate that company now. Um, you don't want, because it's easy to realize when a company is manipulating you based on your age. 
Uh, so you, cause you grow up, you grow out of that age. So you look back and say, wow, that's how I responded to this brand. Um, rappers come to mind, different types of things come to mind. Um, just, you don't want to get a short-term result with this audience because it will turn into a long-term dissatisfied relationship. Okay. So when you say, I feel like when you say manipulate and influence and like what's going on in social media and those, it's a, it's a very fine line. I feel like that, how do you play with the manipulating line? Because you can really push your content. So like if you're trying to get a kid to buy a shirt, like you can almost market it in a way to, to manipulate them to buy that shirt. But you can market it in a way to manipulate them to go steal their parents' credit card and buy the shirt with it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, where, where's the fine line that you kind of play with when you talk about not manipulating versus influencing? Organic content is always the way to go. My company only does organic content. We don't do any paid advertising anymore because that's where the manipulation typically happens. Um, paid advertising means you are aggressively targeting someone because they fall into a large demographic, a massive audience. You don't know anything about each person. You don't know what mindset they're in and you don't know what they're looking for. Organic content means that they will only come across you when they're looking for what you have to offer, which means you're only providing value. So we create organic content because it treats the world better. Very cool. And was there kind of like a uh, aha moment that led you to this? Was there a failure that you were like, wow, we are right now hitting the mass market and I do not feel genuine anymore. Now I want to do organically. Did that happen or was that kind of just like a long process of, hey, we're not doing it? A long process. A lot of difficulty has come in the business of trying to be a full service agency, um, doing everything and that served nobody because we weren't able to do anything right. Everything was done at like 50% and nobody wanted to work with us because they wanted to work with a specialized agency and something. So we specialized in search engine optimization because uh, honestly, search engine optimization, while there is anybody on any block that can do it for you, um, we are very serious about the way that we conduct a campaign. We have a very intricate plan. I just spent, oh goodness, I closed a $200,000 deal on Thursday last week. Um, and it, I spent 20 hours writing a proposal for it. And the proposal outlines our entire strategy without me even knowing if I was going to get the client. Um, it's not smoke and mirrors. People see SEO as smoke and mirrors, um, but it's not. And that's the reason I chose SEO as the service that we're going to offer as an organic content service, because it really does provide value for a business and you're doing it without hurting anybody. Um, so I think back to the question of how did I get to this? Uh, it was a matter of nobody wanted to buy from us when we were doing everything. We couldn't deliver or keep clients when we were doing everything. Um, but it gave us the opportunity to find services that we liked delivering. And we chose the ones that stuck. That stuck. So it's fair to say that you wouldn't, able, you wouldn't be able to be where you are today without appealing to the mass and then be like, wow, this is, yeah. this is not us. And then well, this, these are what is us. And you found it through that. Exactly. So awesome. it gave me the opportunity to figure out what type of work I did. Now I'm working on figuring out what type of client I like working with so I can specifically go for those in the future. Um, and it's kind of like I need a specific, uh, um, I need volume to be able to figure that out. I need to test the waters. Uh, that's again, uh, a metaphor for how someone grows up and disconnects from their family and comes back. It's, it's something that um, just coming of age, a business comes of age, just like a person does. Um, there's a lot it's really like exciting in the beginning and then you have your terrible twos um, and then you get sued all over the place and then you get $1,500 in overdraft fees in one night. Um, 
sorry, this is everybody, right? <laughs> um, no, uh, I just got sued for the first time. Not fun. Um, baseless claim. Not someone with any standing. Um, kind of crazy stuff. But lawsuits are scary because people can come at you for everything that you have. Um, and I forgot that it's not my fault if something is said about you that you didn't do or say. Um, you just become a target with more of a presence the longer you've been around. And um, I've recently been struggling with that because someone made a claim against me and I immediately snapped and said, yes, it's my fault. I'm so sorry. But then I look back at everything and realized I just agreed to pay out something that I didn't even do wrong. Um, so I almost was on a payment plan and they didn't agree to it. They asked for more. And I was able to have the opportunity thanks to that because they didn't agree to my accepting their initial offer. I was able to get out of that and realize that I've been paying for an insurance policy this whole time. Why don't I just use this? Because I thought I was going to be responsible for legal fees and everything. Uh, it's really hard to, you just feel so lonely. You feel like you're the only one that's going through this. And then I call the insurance company and they're like, oh, we deal with this all the time. I call my, my corporate lawyer who's not at the insurance company. He says, yeah, they're just making a false claim. And they say, it's like, no big deal. Um, but when you're an anxious anybody and you get and the thing that you've spent your entire life building gets threatened, it's kind of scary. Um, there's been a lot of pain. Um, today I just sit here in my office with anxiety at some points, um, thinking, there's something I'm missing. There's something not going right. Um, I get messages from my team. I get messages from clients. I get all this coming, hitting me sudden on every single way. And it's like, uh, it's, it's a lot to take on for anybody. Um, so one thing that you kind of touched on was, Oh, are we echoing now? Oh, sorry. Uh, no, you get, um, one thing they touched on was like that you felt lonely, but then when you expanded your, uh, when you started asking these questions and then everyone was like, Oh dude, you're one in a million. Like you're one of a, of a million and not one in a million. Um, it's all about perspective. And I think that's something you got to recognize is there's tons of other kids like you and you'll probably, and that's kind of what social media does. Well, I think sometimes is it helps you connect with other people like you. Yeah. I just went to a conference with like what probably 800 other young entrepreneurs up in New York. It was so cool. Yeah. Like, so you're, you're never going to be alone. You're not going to be the only guy getting sued. You're not going to be the only guy making a million dollars. And I think that's both great for competitive attitude and it's also great for, you know, not feeling alone. And I think that's uh, something that you're going to have to, or you're going to really start to realize, start to recognize. Um, before I get to uh, my next question, I wanted to ask you um, your biggest failure that you've had. Um, thus far during these four years as um, in where you're at in your position right now. You, you really sit there and look at someone making a claim against you saying that you did something wrong, that you worked your butt off to make happen. Um, they threaten you. They, it's kind of akin to in high school, middle school, high school, I was bullied uh, middle school, mostly not high school, middle school, I was isolated, no friends, nobody was talking to me. It's the same thing with higher stakes. Um, that wasn't a failure per se. That's just something that happened. Um, my failures, however, have been, um, along the lines of not being intentional about what comes next. I've never had a budget. 
I've always told people that it's good to have a budget, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I hadn't had a budget for my business, um, personal, nothing. And as I said, yeah, my overdraft fee statement was laughable last year um, with hundreds of thousands of dollars rolling through a bank account and getting $35 fees on a weekly basis. It's kind of crazy, right? Um and then having something hit where a client does not want to continue working with you and not 800 or a thousand dollars is going to make you go bankrupt. Just that small change, even though the cash flow is in the five mid five figures, um, $800 puts you in depression. I mean, I, it, it's like, it's something that when you build something from the ground up, uh, and this is not like tangible failures. When someone looks from the outside in and says, that's not a failure. That's just a road bump. And I yeah, but it's a big road bump. <laughs> it's like a wall. Um, I call it a failure. And to the extent that I failed to prepare for it, I didn't know what I was doing and that's fine. Now I do, but things like that happen all the time. Um, I haven't had a loss of a business. I expect that sometime in my life based on statistics, I might end up, back at ground zero. But as of right now, I started this with $300 and we're doing pretty well now. There's been a lot of struggle along the way. Uh, no hard failures, but a lot of very close calls. Mm-hmm. And that's not, All the time. Yeah. In the past weeks. I mean, it's not, it's something that right now I'm overcorrecting for. I'm trying to get everything in place to make sure that it, things like this don't happen. Um, trying to put client surveys on to make sure clients tell us how they feel about projects and don't wait a year. Um, There's a lot of learning. A lot of learning. Opportunities for learning and opportunities for growth can be seized throughout a day, throughout a week. And people don't really necessarily realize all these opportunities where you're like, wow, I failed here. I recognize this now. And now I have the opportunity to move forward in a more productive manner. And one of the ways we love to connect with our marketing interns is by asking our guests these questions of failure and then seeing how they've grown from it. And one of our now favorite questions is, what is in your back pocket? And we like to frame this question during those times of failure, during those times of stress, you are being sued and you've never been in that situation before. What are the qualities that you hold closest to you? And that's what's in your back pocket. So I'd like to ask you what's in your back pocket. My parents. I went for years without telling them anything about what was happening in my business. And I almost just couldn't take it. I could not take it anymore. I got this demand letter in the mail and this is all the same thing that's going on. It's not like, uh, like we have 99% of our clients are very happy. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to make it sound like anything other than that's the, that's any, that I don't want to make it sound like anything other than that is the case. Um, but I got this letter in the mail and I drove to my dad's office and said, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Um, If I had tried to keep that in, that would not have been a pretty outcome. So I talked to my parents and they're there for me. Yeah. Support Uh, systems. I mean, that's been incredible for us. Psychiatrist, Mm -hmm. um, weekly basis, psychiatrist. I do meditation twice daily for 20 minutes, um, transcendental meditation. And, um, I'm still figuring out how I manage things like this. Um, there's uh, words, where are the words, where are the words. Um, 
I guess I'll grab them in my next four years of literature. <laughs> um, uh, it's a very rough takeoff, but you know, once you hit 30,000 feet, allegedly it's nice. <laughs> That's fair. I, what I really appreciate though, what you just said um, was that you gave credit to your parents because like, it, that's something that went through my mind was like, man, this kid is, you know, taking credit for all this stuff. And yeah, he's had this great success, but like, where, where's that tweet about his parents are like, I know you said like find, your mom and all that there's, stuff. There's a like, tweet about it. And that was when my mom, that the, I sent that tweet. I love my mom out and she has no idea. I sent it. I assume she'll probably come across this because I'll, I'll make sure this gets sick. I want my mommy to be proud of me. Uh, no. <laughs> um, but when, well, she told me the other day that people always tell her, oh, he must have been such an easy kid to raise. And her answer is like, not even close. <laughs> I was like a, a nightmare. But I sent that tweet after my mom asked if I could get dinner with her. And I couldn't because I had to finish a proposal. Um, and she understood and that's the coolest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. When you're able to show your parents and give back to them, I mean, there's nothing really much more gratifying than that. We haven't had that opportunity yet, but we continue to reiterate how thankful we are to have them in our lives to allow us to they encourage us, they support us, not only just our parents, but our friends and our network. And it sounds like you have just that being 19 years old and um, the position that you're in a support system goes a long way. And it's great to have two people for sure in your corner at all times went through something similar being entrepreneurs as themselves. So very cool. Yeah. I've got a cool family. That's um, awesome. They're loud, very Jewish, um, but cool. Nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is a seamless transition to uh, what we would consider our game. Game alert, game alert. So we play. I had no, no idea there's going to be a game. <laughs> So this one is called the back pocket coaching session. Um, so we're going to be your coaches here in this, in this case. Cause you've given us plenty of advice. So it's our turn to maybe return the honors. Yeah. Um, maybe so, your advice will be good compared to mine. <laughs> okay. That's fair. We can always take some tips for you. That's, I mean, that's why we have it on the podcast to begin with. We're always no, no, I, I would not put assign any value to my tips. I would imagine yours are going to be far more um, wise than mine. Well, we're tapping into one industry that you already have. Declan, lead us in. Yep. So Twitter, we're going to start there, um, being live coaches and then helping you out with your tweets. Um, we specialize in that. We're podcasters. We love tweets. Uh-oh. We understand. Oh, we're going to this part. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start with this tweet. You tweeted this out uh, maybe a week ago. Um, it says, let's get some non-dairy food up in first for once. LOL, Amer- at American Air, on behalf of those with lactose intolerance. So uh, I want to walk you through something real quick. Um, calling out airlines, usually not a good idea. Um, however, there are people out there that are going to fight for you. So I like that. Um, non-dairy products in first class. So at least, uh, I mean, that's a nice brag on your end, going with uh, saying. <laughs> You're going to tear these apart. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How is this a game? So... What I liked about it is you're supporting the lactose intolerance files out here. Me, for example, I'm very I'm more recent. I'm very struggling with the milk and uh, any cream sort, my cream cheese and butter. That I, so thank you for being a voice to uh, the people that need it. And also, airlines do need to be called out because they've received some pretty heavy um, trending 
Yeah, so when you do call them out, so you can boost your followership. Yeah, it does boost your like. Uh, it's not SEO, but your relevance on Twitter when you when you get involved mm. with that. Maybe that's what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, there it is. The truth comes out. Um, my next one would be. Uh, I, I think I saw you tweeted something about politics. We uh, there's oh, a strict no. rule. yeah this oh, is a strict no. this is a strict rule on uh, our podcast is uh, we have things that are banned and one of them is politics. We just don't get into it. We don't know enough about it. Even when you like it, your tweet was like completely unintentional, like not, it wasn't even bad, no negativity at all. Oh, and I got like, so much, I got so much, like, what's it called on that? So much, uh, black, fe- black, black. Well, we do know, and we do preach this message controversy is the air we breathe. So when you do, when you do tweet political statements or underlying political messages, you just know that it's going to happen. Flat will be received, and you just have to be ready and willing to take it. That's fair. And in everything, not just in politics, but with an—I mean, you're in the limelight as a CEO. We are in the limelight as a CEO, and we share those like moments where it's like, "Whoa, I didn't realize you could actually receive flat for something like that." So I was just yeah. Honestly, I didn't think I didn't think anybody cared. To be quite honest, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I was not looking for that to happen. Mm-hmm. What you'll find is people care too much on Twitter. Yeah. No, someone was like unfollowing, and then like eight other people were like, "Don't tweet about politics." Don't tweet, and then like there were like fifteen people that were just like, "No, you go, you got this." And I was like, "Yeah, I know that crowd. That crowd's fun." I was honestly, I just didn't like the color of the sticker I was tweeting about. I wrote a tweet about a sticker, like a bumper sticker, I didn't like, and I didn't like the color of it. <laughs> <laughs> See, things can be taken out of context. <laughs> one thing that you need to do and keep in time context is your pin tweets. Hmm. Good point, Andrew. Oh, oh, I got this. Okay, so your pin tweet. So you uh, talk about when you're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, what will 19-year-old Brennan do? Um, I think you're missing a few milestones. First, um, your first kiss. Second one, uh, when you learn to walk. That would be good perspective on like, wow, this kid – walked at two months like he was going to be a prodigy from the beginning <laughs> well you're at it, you might as well put in when you learn to tie your shoes yeah tie your shoes i'm still ball. working on that one still working on that one okay and then like maybe uh what seed you would normally get picked in like a game of pickup basketball uh i would be on the bench at best <laughs> perfect <laughs> I'd like if you i would say just like mix in a couple of those within like the makes uh had his first six figure year and then at like maybe 18 or 17 and a half, like first kiss, you know, it, it, but it Twitter has a character limit. So I don't know how you're going to fight with that, but I think I hit exactly 280 and not totally. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. How about this then have another pin tweet and then just have like 14 through 18, just list all the average milestones you had, such as, uh, learning to walk, tie your shoes, and then um, your first kiss, and then maybe uh, who you took to prom. Who you took to prom. Those four things, just tweet those out and then pin it and see, see the difference. See, no, the, all that stuff is like uh, sad and depressing. <laughs> but, but it also makes you humble. It, it's yes. your humility engine. We have things about, like me, I, Brandon, I have the weirdest body ever, dude. Like, I just have a weird <laughs> body. And I tweeted that out the other day and, like, I don't know. I don't know if I feel better about it, but like I'm admitting it. I'm soaking it. I'm taking it as fine. Like if you didn't kiss a girl till 17, like that's great. We can all relate to that. I haven't kissed a girl since sixth grade and don't intend to do it. 
for a very long time. <laughs> I wish you best of luck with your first date tonight. No, that is a uh, not a girl I'll be kissing. So, <laughs> okay, right on. Again, different, different, different audience. Different. Uh, I do mention that. I'm surprised you didn't come across that. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what side of the field it hits on? Very nice. Well, at least I mean, again, admitting to that is great. It's not not even admitting, but just being open about it. Yeah, no. Um, but the uh, metaphor, the baseball metaphor, does not work for me because working out not my thing. <laughs> people people say that uh, you know that's got to be that's got to be my uh, average thing. I'm, people say that they get headaches working out, and honestly, I just I don't want to take the risk. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I stopped working out since uh, I ended my football career. So we're, now we share that together. We don't work out. Yeah, yeah. My metabolism is going to go one day, and I'm I'm just going to be done. <laughs> I'm afraid of that as well. Here's here's the thing you could do is just like always maintain your body. So like that's kind of what I'm. I'm not trying to like bench a million pounds anymore, nor am I trying to squat. But you know what? I'll, I'll get in the weight room and you know push a couple weights around, and see what happens. Um, and I hope I can do that till I'm at least fifty. So uh, maybe that maybe that's a milestone or a benchmark you set. Yeah, my ninety-two year old grandpa did a five k in forty-eight minutes. That's impressive. Good for him. I can do a five k if I do it one mile a day for three days. (laughs) Okay. So like he he's um yeah work activity pitch that to someone else talking to the wrong audience. (laughs) Well, that was our game. Oh, actually, ending on a positive note, oh, you had really good sleep tweets about sleep. I'm sleep glad you already being so important. Oh my goodness, it's it's honestly, I realize six hours of sleep versus eight hours of sleep. You just you're not pleasant to be around. You don't show compassion for people. You take everything really, really personally, and you can't function. You can't look at things clearly, and it makes you take make decisions you wouldn't make otherwise. So yeah, absolutely. Sleep is consistent sleep schedule. It's one of the most important things you can put into your life. It's yeah. one of the most important things I try to maintain. I'm not that good at it. Uh, last night I got seven hours. But that I'm would not be my good. If there, there's an average quality out there, that would be mine is trying to what is hours and trying to wake up and go to bed at these certain specific times every day. Yeah. What's, what is the average? Like what, how long do you guys sleep every night? Um, depends on the day. I try and get seven. We had a, um, if you're interested, we had a podcast guest um, by the name of Matt Berg, and he's a CEO of a sleep company, really focused on researching sleep, how it affects the body. Um, we've actually kind of been heavily involved in that as a podcast. We had another person as well. Um, but back to the point, it's learning about it and then trying to apply it to your life are two entirely different things. But if the main focus is discipline, because when it's time to go to bed, you got to like really man up and just say, all right, I'm going to bed, not reading a book or playing video games for another hour or scrolling through Twitter, you know, whatever it is, you just got to stay disciplined, have that routine. And usually it takes care. Your body will take care of you if you do that. Yeah. Like one less episode of Grey's Anatomy. Who's going to hurt? Who's going to get hurt? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's when, yeah, that's when you don't watch it though. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. No, no, no. Like what, what, what are you going to miss if you don't watch one? That was my thought process last night. So I didn't watch it. And then I decided to go go out and see some people. 
later because I got one less hour of sleep and now I regret it because I would be a lot more pleasant if I had that one extra hour. I promise. (laughs) No worries. You crushed the game when you were going into it versus now. How do you feel about uh, the back pocket game? Oh God. The, um, the part where you, the thing about the flight that just like hit my pain point right on the spot because like, that's something that definitely subconsciously I was trying to justify and prove myself, but I don't need to do that at all. Um, well, actually, just tweet at us next time you want to um, get after these airlines because Andrew and I will absolutely take that and take your burden on that. Thank you. I appreciate it. I think yeah, it will we'll, be just as effective as if I tweet the airline. I don't think either of you will do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, kind of concluding the um, main portion of our interview and transition to the back end, um, we finished with two final questions. The first question is asking you, do you have any questions for us? What puts you in a position where you are so curious and so engaged and do so much for other people? It is incredible that you literally sit in that room talking to people about their stories and letting other people listen to their stories and kind of being the middleman and nobody asking you about your stories. How do you, I mean, how, how are you a person that's built for that? That's it. It, amazes me it's mm-hmm. we can all this you yeah. first i can i'll start and one thing that i think has really allowed me to be intellectually curious in this way is realizing that i don't have what it takes what i want to get where i want to get to and the only way i feel like getting there is by building a network and by communicating with people that i would never have a chance to talk to and that involves just being um as we've mentioned throughout this podcast, being humble enough to say, Hey, I do not know what I want to do with my life. I do not know where I want to go. I don't know how to get there. I want to hear your story. I want to hear how you got to where you want to go. Cause maybe in that story, there are those golden nuggets. Where it's like, Oh wow. He did that really cool. I didn't know you could handle those situations in that way. And at the same time, we're able to communicate that to an audience. I'm not the only one taking that away. It's an audience full of people whether how many people listen on a podcast, a podcast, it doesn't matter. We are providing that message and we are giving people an opportunity to obtain that message. It's a awesome thing. Seeing someone and getting a message in my inbox, asking someone to share stories with them kind of made my week. So I appreciate it. Nice. And I would say even from like my end, I have always just been um, very curious and always just wanting to learn more. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt that way more than when I do the podcast. And I think like Andrew had mentioned, I'm in the same boat. Like I, I had like, you know, I had a pretty sweet track. I was like, I want to be an engineer. I want to do this, I want to do that. But, you know, deviating from that and having a podcast is like another parallel in your life is totally eye-opening. I love networking. I love learning with learning from people. I love hearing their story because knowing someone's story and talking with someone for an hour. Yeah. The new generation has a short attention span. This is completely opposite of it, but you just gain so much more knowledge about that person when you know where they came from and you can now understand the decisions, the things they say a hundred thousand times more than if you were to not do that. Or if you were to just scroll through Brennan's Twitter feed, you would find don't, don't. 
not not, no, not a recommended daytime activity. <laughs> that's one of our. I think that's one of the biggest problems right now in this world is like that short attention span puts you into these different like boxes of life and like some like someone would just see you as just like a random 19 year old kid who like likes to talk about his company and what he's doing where oh and also like you had a tweet that you pinned at the top of your profile and that was your awesome accomplishments absolutely people should see those from you but then there's so much more that went into it i mean you they don't realize all the struggles that you have and hearing that from our point of view and asking those questions to provoke it um, and allow you to feel comfortable enough to share how you grow through, through it is so cool. And so how someone can just hear your story now on this podcast and be like, wow, he's 19 years old. And he was able to take on someone who was suing him, suing a company that he started when he was 14 or 15, whatever year it was. It was early. And someone tried to come at, come after your company in a way that was negative. And you're like, OK, this is not I'm not the only person that has handled this type of situation. There are resources. There are people that have done this before. How can I grow? And, and someone now is able to hear that and grow as well. I mean, that's that's what's cool. So, Brandon, thank you for being so honest and open with us throughout this talk. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I I appreciate it, and um, there's nothing nothing more I could enjoy doing this tonight. I mean, this is this has been wonderful. It's been a great way to tie up my day. So, I really appreciate you asking me. Absolutely. And one final question. Our final question. What did you learn today from the time that you woke up to having this interview with us right now? You know, I actually learned something big today. Um, I learned that I need to have something to look forward to, to cope with the now um, when it gets tough. Uh, earlier today, I was sitting here and I told you a little bit, I was feeling anxious. I was sitting here, I was about to get in my car and just drive for an hour and listen to a podcast. I love podcasts. Um, and I didn't do it because I found a project that I got excited about because it's for my future. It's for the future of one of our clients that we just started with. And if they're happy, that means we have a great case study that can push the company forward. And I just started grinding on that. Four hours later, I looked up and realized, oh, it's been four hours. Um, what I take from that is if I can give myself something that is a motivator, something to look forward to. That's how I keep myself going um, because the now can get really, really disappointing, really, really difficult. And I think, I, I don't know if that's the same for everybody. Is that something that you experience? Yes, I would say so. Mm -hmm. It's pretty, I mean, like, I think you can get so uh, locked into your day-to-day -day process sometimes where it's just like, man, you need to take a step back and reflect on like what exactly you're doing and, and even more so like why you're doing it. People always ask like, Oh, what's your why? Or, you know, the whole Simon Sinek, like uh, the, the based on like, what is your why? And I think that's kind of what it goes back to is when you're in those ruts, you need to really ask yourself, what is your why? And that's what motivates you for the future because you would have never gotten that opportunity if you weren't working within your why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great thing that you learn, and I hope all our marketing interns learn something about from you and this podcast in general. Thanks for coming on, Brennan. Absolutely phenomenal time. Thank you for having me. I really hope to talk to you guys soon. And that was our interview with Brennan Bliss. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Take a time out of your day. We appreciate it. 
We loved everything you had to say. We had to humble him a little bit with the with the game at the end there with the tweets. Let's be honest, if someone were to go back and look at our tweets, what would they find? We don't know, but it'd be just as dangerous, maybe even more. Uh, possibly. You know, but again, it's all about the humility engine. You gotta push on the humility on someone who's, you know, doing that well. And if Bren can be as humble as the most humble man in the world, Marlon's man or someone, I don't know who you want to talk about, but if he can if he can leverage that, he's gonna be a much better CEO, co founder or founder of his company and his passion. Yeah, so. he had so many golden nuggets of just uh, one thing that I I mean, what the humility aspect. What's in his back pocket? Humility. Um, who does he rely on? His family. I mean, there's just so many things that he talked about that was so cool. Brennan, you're the man. Thank you again. Um, let's transition to the back end. Dude, for sure. We're here. We're now. Thank you for making it this far, Marking Interns. It's not easy making it this far. It's been like an hour or so. You've taken a lot of time out of your day to, for us, and we appreciate that. So the back end. Sneaky secret is on its way. Sneaky. We're back, baby. So this segment started out as like an off-air conversation. And it's kind of funny because uh, this could be a quote is we're always on air. So there's really no other way to put it. Yeah. So here we are. I love being on air. Yeah. Why not? You just carry your life as if you're always on recording a podcast. Uh, I think that's good and bad probably. Yeah. There's some negatives there's to it. But I think more pros. Anyways, we'll skip over that for now. Uh, sneaky secrets. Challenge yourself just to see how you respond. I want to challenge our podcast. Put us in situations where we aren't comfortable and just see how we respond. Mm-hmm. We, re- I think we realized that the most from when uh, we had to pull the, pod- the podcast interview, what, last week, two weeks ago? Two weeks. Two weeks ago, yeah. I think that was a perfect opportunity to see how we would respond. And um, we did exactly what we wanted to do after um, overcoming some adversity. We just said we cannot give into the situation we need to move forward we treat it as an opportunity to grow so how else can we do that um maybe do some more live shows because that was one of the opportunities that i felt post live show i was way better at articulating myself and more comfortable just in this setting i felt like i was still talking to people while i'm in front of this mic yeah and there's so many other obstacles that come with a live show and so many other ways you can make it better and i think the even the setting that we were in at first was not even really uh like people showed up that just didn't care about us, you know. If we, what if we had a show where all eyes were on us, mm-hmm. you know? They weren't there for free food, but they were there for the back pocket. Yeah, and so that would be an interesting, just dynamic. And I'm trying to think of like different places that we could perform at, or how you would leverage that. But either way, a lot of cool different challenges that come with just doing a live show in general. Another thing that I think we could do to challenge ourselves um, would be to put up more content. I mean, we already put some insane hours into this podcast and people don't necessarily realize all the back-end work that goes into it um and we probably talked about it enough where you guys realize that we do care about this so much that we want to make sure it's that quality where you guys deserve and when you're going to put the time in we we should put the time in for you guys um one content idea i think one of our marketing interns just sent us our sent our way was uh, a blog expansion and this can be a way to traffic people to our website absolutely so Gabe Fighten, thank you so much for challenging us. Yeah, the guy wrote up a full proposal of what it would be, what the point of the blog would be, how it would be, how it would be utilized, where we would put it out, how we would put it out, how you gauge all that. So like the idea of now not only recording two podcasts a week, but then blogging, and blogging sounds 
interesting, but just like writing in general, mm-hmm. like first of all, my first initial reaction to that was like, yes, let's do it. But then I was like, oh man, like, I'm not that good at writing. Hey, that's maybe your average quality. Yeah. Maybe below average. <laughs> yeah. But there's just a lot of room for improvement. Mm-hmm. A lot of room for improvement. So. A lot of challenges that come with writing. Absolutely. And I love putting us ourselves on a higher standard because sometimes we um, just, we are complacent. We put out the same, we do have the same format every week and I feel like we've done that. But we, we, we're growing in different ways, uh, but maybe challenging ourselves a step further. Always push yourselves and this is a way that I think could absolutely uh, take us to another level. For sure. This was uh, one of my favorite Sneaky Secrets segments, dude. A lot of good stuff there. Hopefully all our marketing interns are like, all right, I got some ideas for how these guys can challenge themselves mm-hmm. and that they're going to send us some shit. So I'm excited. Let's right. get after this. All right. So what do we learn? Andrew, first off, dude, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I've okay. had a really good day um, and I learned something that I feel like will be prevalent in every day going forward. Okay. Nice. So um, that's, a, that's a good thing to learn. Absolutely. Whatever it is. When you can learn something like that, you're like, oh, damn, this is a good day. This is not, this is not a bad day either. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the, the, what did I learn today? I learned that um, through what Beaver Fleming was talking about last week about mindset, I want to do a little more research on it. And um, what Beaver talked about was just how mindset can help you kickstart a movement. Well, there's two different types of um, mindsets that people have in this world. Literally, like factually two different mindsets. There's a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And to give you a little background, this is what I read. So a fixed mindset is thinking their ability and intelligence are fixed and that that talent is biggest predictor of success. A growth mindset is when you believe you can improve any of your natural skills through dedication and hard work. Well, everyone probably believes they have a growth mindset because that seems a little more positive, right? Well, there are people that have that fixed mindset where it's like, I don't have those natural gifts. I can't do that. So I'm going to move, I'm going to move on to different, I'm going to move on to something, a different industry where a growth mindset will be like, well, if I'm not good enough right now, I don't mind being at the bottom because I feel like I can get to the top eventually. If I continue to put through work, I continue to take opportunities to learn from my failures. Um, so it's a two different way, two different street, but at the end of the day, it's reality. So which mindset are you going to be? Wow. That's sweet. So the fixed mindset, I'm trying to think of a situation where it'd be like, okay, I could see this person being a fixed mindset. Like, Well, okay, so to take it lightheartedly, okay. put it into sports. Okay. So you're, little, you're 15 years old and you're playing soccer and you're just not that good. You're yeah. Like, okay. I, these guys were born with better skills. I don't time feel to like find a new sport. Time to find a new sport. I'm not good enough. I'm going to move on. Versus... Being like, okay, I can't pass that well right now. I don't have good ball movement with my uh, left foot. So I I need to learn. I need to talk to someone. I need to take classes and I'll grow from it. Yeah. It's kind of like the easy path, worthy path type mentality too where it's like. Or picking or some people are picking stuff that they're good at and they're just going to be great at it versus they're not good at it. And like, I want to be good at it. I want to. Okay. Maybe one day be great at yeah, it. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense where it's just like you get into something and someone tells you like, oh, you're so good at this. And then you just, are, now you're locked in. Mm-hmm. Now you're locked into growing right there. And it's just kind of like a one-ray world television type thing. Yeah. Okay. I like that. So they're, they're both not, positive. They're, exactly. That's kind of the whole point I was trying to like articulate out loud. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, how do I, how do I look at a fixed mindset positive? Anyways, that's phenomenal content. Love it. What I learned was... Consistently, consistency goes a long way, 
And people respect consistency as well as authenticity. So we were talking about this today. And what I was realizing was, like you you and me, what I was realizing is like, man, you really don't have to be someone else, even though they're like, we follow all kinds of people on Instagram and they are their own brand a lot of the times, but a lot of like, there's a lot of overlap between a lot Lot of of crossovers, a lot of crossover and they get a lot of engagement. And so sometimes when you see that, you're like, man, I need to be more like them. But what I'm realizing is the people that reach out to us and the people that, um, you know, talk about us or, um, you know, are involved with the back pocket are just so dedicated. Whereas I see all these other people and it's like the interaction they're getting is not as authentic. So it's kind of like the garbage in garbage out mentality. So if we put content in that's authentic and consistent, we're going to get a message back from our marketing interns. That's consistent and it's authentic and it's exactly who we are because of that authenticity. So I learned that that was really cool. I also learned from you strong verbs Short sentences. Malcolm Gladwell put some great intellectual curiosity into me. You know, the podcast format is when you tend to overspeak. You're trying to get your thoughts out, and some people like to do it in a lengthy version. Um, but there was a podcast by Malcolm Gladwell where um, one of these research leading researchers in the United States got accused of some stuff, and she was strong enough to be using strong verbs, short sentences to get to her point, and her beliefs stood where they were and ended up being a positive way to go about it. Yeah, go go listen to it. It's a fun, what what was the name of the episode? Strong verb, short sentences. Okay, yeah, I think it was episode nine of season three. Yep. So just go go check that out because it's phenomenal. I think we need to just like create a Google Doc and just type in every every representation of strong verb, short sentences. I'm inspired. Yeah, it'd be fun. Mm-hmm. It'd be super fun. Um, anyways, feel good story. Absolutely. Positive note for positive guys, and we want to leave our marketing interns in an in atmosphere where they're uplifted and ready to roar. Mm. What's the feel-good story of the week, Deck? Feel-good story is kind of what I was talking about earlier. The people who are sending it in this world, ones that are just going head first, the ones that have just no fear, and that are these people that choose the worthy path. So these people are someone who I would actually compare them to like, X Games action sports athletes. They're doing stuff that no one else does. They don't get a lot of publicity for it is the reality, but they still do it because they're so passionate about it. Like if you can conquer those three things and whatever you want to do, you're set. Mm-hmm. And that those, I just want to, the feel good story are those people out there right now. And there's all kinds of them. And we talk to them every day and they're great. And I just want to push that message out because I know those people that are this far into a podcast or the marketing interns that are this far into the podcast are those people. Absolutely. They are taking risks, calculated risk. They're not risky business, but it's risk-taking. I believe that's the worthy path. Thank you, marketing interns. You've been so kind to us for jo- enjoying podcast number 60. Pretty podcast cool. 60. What a milestone. Podcast 61 is going to just be that much better. You know, Always improving between 1 and 2, podcast 60 and 61, of course. Marketing interns, have a great week. Choose the worthy path. Take care. Take care.